Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of March 12, 2017. We all like to eat, and we always look for new and easy ways to prepare our favorite recipes. Not only do we like easy recipes, but we love those small appliances that can make cooking so easy and take the hassles out of preparing meals at home. It's so much less expensive to eat at home, but cooking can be time-consuming. At this week's Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout, Bill and Debbie Dethridge bought their New Wave oven and their Cook's Essential Air Fryer for us to see. The Cook's Essential Air Fryer is flat on top and bottom. The sides are round, slimmer at top and bottom, and fatter around the middle. Adam says it looks like a bourbon barrel. The push buttons are on the front, and they set time, temperature, and presets for cooking things like chicken and pork chops and veggies. In a standard deep fryer, you lower the basket containing the food, such as french fries, into the hot oil. Messy, to say the least. And many of us don't like frying in a skillet either because of the chance of the oil splattering. In an air fryer, the basket that holds the food slides into the unit and is completely enclosed during cooking. Very little, if any, oil is needed, depending on the food, because the hot air does the cooking. This is great news for anyone trying to eat a little healthier by cutting down on fat and calories and for all of us who don't like the possibility of having to deal with splattering oil. When the basket is inserted, ready for cooking, the handle is on the front of the appliance, just below the controls. There's no chance of hot oil splattering on you with the air fryer. Bill and Debbie demoed the air fryer by cooking french fries and chicken tenders, but air fryers just aren't for processed foods. There are tons of videos on YouTube recipes on the internet, and cookbooks for preparing great-tasting foods, some of which you won't expect to fix in a fryer. Some foods that are reportedly very yummy in the air fryer are fried chicken, pork chops, fish, fries, roasted vegetables, and much more. I found an interesting recipe on the thisoldgal.com website for preparing rotisserie chicken in the air fryer. Here are some excerpts from that article. Rotisserie-style whole chicken air fryer method. Posted June 7, 2016 on the This Old Gal, T-H-I-S-O-L-D-G-A-L dot com website. With this rotisserie-style whole chicken air fryer method, you will enjoy a very juicy chicken with a flavorful, crisp skin. We've all had that delicious rotisserie chicken from Costco or Kroger, right? We spend hours going up and down every aisle. By the time we're finished shopping, we're exhausted. We have a big basket full of goodies. The thought of coming home and putting away all those groceries and other things that we probably didn't need, it's overwhelming. The thought of them having to make dinner makes things even more overwhelming. So we run back to the back of the store and grab a rotisserie chicken. We've been smelling it since we first walked in the door. With our large air fryer, this rotisserie whole chicken method is 
easy, and you can make the same delicious chicken any day of the week and have it done in one hour with minimum prep work. For this demonstration, the author used a 5.9-pound chicken and stuffed it because she wanted to see the difference in a stuffed and an unstuffed chicken. The stuffed chicken takes about 20 minutes more to cook than one that does not have stuffing. If you are not going to stuff your chicken, just toss a cut onion into the cavity if you like, although it really isn't necessary. Put the chicken into a large mixing bowl, since sometimes the chicken can be slippery and can kind of slide away. Plus, it keeps the counter very neat. Make sure to remove the giblet package from inside the chicken, and then pat the chicken dry with a paper towel. Rub the chicken generously with coconut oil or olive oil, if you like, to help keep the skin from getting too dry. If you like a heavily seasoned chicken, make your own seasoned salt recipe or use whatever seasoning you like. Season the entire chicken very well. Place the chicken skin side down into the air fryer. If you're using the smaller three-quart air fryer, you may need to kind of shove it in so that it all fits, but it works best in the larger five-and-a-half-quart air fryers. Ingredients one whole chicken, cleaned and blotted dry. One to two tablespoons of coconut oil, olive oil, etc. One tablespoon homemade seasoned salt. Instructions. Remove the giblet package from the chicken. Pat the chicken dry. Rub oil all over the chicken and season generously. Place chicken breast side down into air fryer. Cook at 350 degrees for 30 minutes. Flip chicken over and cook for 350 degrees for an additional 30 minutes or until internal temperature reaches 165 degrees. Let rest for 10 minutes and then serve. For chickens that are 5 pounds and up, use a 5.8 quart or larger air fryer and cook for 35 minutes on each side. We'd appreciate hearing some of your experiences with the air fryer if you would like to share them with us. We might even put your recipe or your suggestions on sound prints. The Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind met on Saturday, February 25 in Alexandria, Virginia. In his report to the Board, ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Tony Stevens, shared some of his recent activities on behalf of ACB and people who are blind or visually impaired. We bring you excerpts from his report on page 2. ACB is once again offering several opportunities for people to attend our national conference and convention as guests of the American Council of the Blind. We are coming up to the deadline, April 3, for applying for both the DKM, first-timer awards, and the Leadership Fellows Awards. And Kenneth Simeon Sr., the new chair of the ACB Durbert K. McDaniel First-Timer Committee, explains how you can apply for one of these awards at the mid-year President's Meeting in Alexandria, Virginia. Listen in on page 3 and find out if you're eligible to apply for an all-expense-paid trip 
to Reno this summer. And on page 4 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. Um, next would be Tony Stevens to talk about advocacy and governmental affairs. Hi, good morning everyone. Hey. Are we morning yet or is it noon? Um, I will be, I will be uh, in, in an attempt to try to be brief and give opportunity for questions. Uh, folks will have plenty of time to hear from me on Monday, probably too much time, and there's a minute. What I wanted to do today, though, was give you, since uh, I think a written report, legislative update, and then the one where I had in person with you all last July uh, at, at our uh, annual convention, is to give you just a, a little sense of the lay of the land. Uh, there is no shy amount of attention drawn toward Washington, D.C. these days. And I want to be able to, to give you a sense of where our positioning is, some of the inside baseball, I guess, that's going on. And to let you know, and when you hear about the grants, and you know later with communications, but also with, with fundraising, the work Eric's doing, the work of advocacy and governmental affairs here at ACB is overarching. And it is as, a, as an external component of external affairs, and, and in a sense, public relations, PR, propaganda, uh, rhetoric, lobbying, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we are very much engaged in working towards uh, a, a message that, that transcends throughout all reaches of the organization. Uh, in a sense, that way you know that your investment in advocacy and governmental affairs is, is in harmony with the rest of the organization. And I think some of the things I'll be sharing really reaffirm this idea uh, in what we're doing. Tom mentioned briefly about you know, having a chance to work on some of this information that went into the philanthropy journal. You know, the data points that we put in that, that foundations are hearing, are specifically the same data points that we're presenting up to Congress to really set the narrative and the agenda for what will be uh, in the near future and in the long-term future, uh, an area where supply and demand are gonna not be harmonized for meeting the needs of a community of Americans who are blind. Uh, we all know about significant numbers that are expected to spike in the incidence of blindness and vision impairment in our country in 2020 that will continue for a couple decades after that spike moves and Americans continue to live longer. What are the issues, what are the concerns, what are the needs of our organization? I think it's in no way uh, shy to say as well that uh, as, as the board knows in our strategic planning process, advocacy has a lot on its plate. In that sense, we are already working on a number of those things that we have discussed in, in other meetings for planning purposes. And some of the things, I guess, in bridging that wanted to share with you a few things that are highlights from last year that are positive and some of the positive things we have moving forward in this year. Uh, I am remaining an optimist. Washington, we are in definitely historic times. There's no question about that. The logjam of Congress has clearly broken and it is moving full steam ahead. Uh, that does not mean in, in a sense of being an optimist that we are not moving towards protecting and we are not submissive in any way. The work that we are doing at the legislative seminar this year is very, very much targeted on several short-term type issues. Where is the lowest hanging fruit that sort of went into picking the issues this year that we're focusing on? But they are all very strategic towards the long-term goal of really meeting the mission that we had uh, read to us earlier today about expanding all the various values uh, that find itself within our mission at ACB. Some of the things last year, so we came out of the Obama administration uh, for years of not really gaining much ground in Congress due to the, the inability for Congress to do any action at all unless you were a library wanting a name attached to you. Uh, we had found ourselves working a lot with the administration 
and it made excellent grounds. Uh, we had Eric had the opportunity to be presenting as a panelist at the White House in November on a panel of technology and assistive technology. Uh, he was up there with, uh, with Ms. Fleury from Microsoft and others. It gave excellent opportunity to, for ACB to continue its brand that it's seen as a leader in technology and assistive technology for Americans who are blind and breaking down those access barriers in society through technology. So we were glad that we were able to get Eric on that panel. It was a panel that I was specifically working on myself and helping put together. And I think it really demonstrated, you know, sort of ACB's footing as a leader in sort of the technology sphere. We'll talk a little bit more on technology communications in a minute. Other areas we worked on a lot last year was with the Department of Transportation, both with NHTSA, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, and some preliminary meetings towards what will probably be something you'll be hearing a lot more in the near future. As technology is moving so quickly, we never thought we could have driverless cars on the road, but they are on the road today. And this could have serious implications for the demographics of our population and where people can live and how people can get around and how people can be independent. Uh, ACB is, is, we recently had a meeting with some, some folks working with General Motors uh, who are partnering with Lyft, and this is a reality that is forthcoming. It's, it's an economy that is taking the ride-sharing economy and really finding a way to get this technology out there. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more about this on Monday when I'll be some, sharing some of the work we're doing in our sort of relationship with partnership building, and you might hear some other information offline. But uh, I want you to know that in a sense of with the transportation, this is an area that's rapidly moving forward and ACB is positioned in a good position. Also extensively worked last year, as many of you know, on the Air Carrier Access Act. These were intense negotiations over six months with the airline industry. We had several points in any negotiation. It was a compromise, but I think we had several successes. The, the fact that it was not a typical proposed rulemaking process, but because industry and advocates came together, I was meeting with uh, Blaine Workey, who you will hear here on Monday, who's going to speak to us. She's the head of uh, one of the heads of compliance for the aviation branch of the Department of Transportation. Uh, you know, in, in the current climate for regulatory affairs in the government, because we've met negotiations with corporations and with the industry, I think this gives us a good footing for this to be one of the areas that can still move forward. Secretary Elaine Chow for the Secretary of Department of Transportation is, you know, there has been a lot of conversation in ramping up infrastructure in this country, and I think the culture uh, that is that has continued on in the Department of Transportation uh, maybe hasn't been as visceral. You don't see it in the news as much as you do other federal agencies right now. Uh, in terms of those negotiations, we worked on service animals. That was stalemated, but in recent meetings, I feel confident that we will be working towards still finding an opportunity to mitigate the fraud and abuse of emotional support animals or people framing their animals to be uh, whatever you want to call them on an airplane. Uh, but I think that message has been sent loud and clear and where the airlines have come together, I think it's more in harmony with ourselves than some of the areas where we've had to walk uh, somewhat lightly in dealing with the larger context of the cross-disability community. Uh, I sit on the board of directors for the Consortium for Citizens with Disability, which is the largest coalition, cross-disability coalition. And you know it brings ACB to a unique position to be able to be uh, amongst all the larger disability groups and have a leadership role. Uh, this was one of those areas that was very contentious within our own disability community. Uh, I think ACB though is, is in, a, in a good position moving forward with the airlines and Department of Transportation in finding success in this particular area. Uh, one of the areas we did not uh, necessarily gain a closure on, we will be, if this rule goes into effect, be gaining uh, audio-described programming 
on aircraft, but we were unable to come up with a compromise on touchback display screens, but that has allowed us in one sense of, of something that was upsetting when this rulemaking or this negotiation came to an end in November, it's really opening up an opportunity now where we have weekly calls with the airline and the entertainment industry, with communication engineers in Hollywood who work on motion pictures, uh, really trying to find a solution around this airline fix. We have a deliverable report due to the Department of Transportation in November, and uh, but in this process of just working with it, it has allowed us to work alongside with the experts. Again, reaffirming ACB's brand as being a leader in areas dealing with audio description and technology. Uh, we have a very good relationship that we are building with the leaders amongst the airline industry that deal with these type devices, as well as folks in the entertainment industry and the motion picture industry, I think, that are coming to the table to help us find a solution. Again, ACB's brand, I think, is unique in that we are solution-driven. We are not often the ones that carry the big sticks, but we always want to have a carrot and say, we will work with you and find solutions. Another area where we've been doing this same work is with the National Association of Broadcasters and trying to find out a way in which we can meet the needs of the crawls on the bottom of the screen to be audio described that are video images that go on the bottom of the screen. This is another example of ACB working with uh, stakeholders outside of government uh, and engineers to really, not lawyers, but engineers, to find a way that could lead towards audio described, self-audio described, similar to what you see in Facebook where it'll tell you what it is, but with dynamic moving in images, which could be a serious breakthrough in our world of, of audio description and assistive technology and being able to describe images as they happen in real time and as they're moving. So these are the few things in technology. With the Federal Communications Commission, uh, we have become the national help desk, I feel like, for the Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Uh, it is probably the most calls I get daily. A number of you as well. I will say there was one organization, a corporation, that really surprised us in not meeting its goals. Um, I think a number of you know who that corporation is. I'm not going to out them. There was another one that surprised us with a very unique uh, solution uh, many folks in Florida weighed in on. Uh, we have been working with both those corporations. Uh, I, I will say that our voice has been heard. And we are at the tables working with them. Uh, Eric is, myself is. And so there will be real positive solutions, I think, in the near future without giving too much away. Um, but I think in a sense, we again are seen as that voice of people willing to work and willing to find real solutions. I've been appointed to the Disability Advisory Committee for the FCC for the next two years and we'll be looking forward to working with a lot of these folks in, in the communications sphere and with the Federal Communications Commission. Uh, we, we have back channel lines of communications with transportation, with communications, with uh, Department of Education, with some holdovers. Um, you know, we are working with an across disability coalition issue around the homemaker outcomes issues with WIOA. I've been up in Senate and, and House meetings over that area. Uh, so we again are seen as well as experts in rehabilitation and finding real employment opportunities. Uh, you know, so it's, it's what Eric is doing with Starbucks, we're also doing in Capitol Hill in trying to, to really reframe the image of Americans with blindness. So this is a little bit of what we're working on right now. Going into the new administration, I give a reminder that Van Jones, long before he was on CNN as a pundit, uh, taught me years ago, uh, Martin Luther King always says, I have a dream. He never said, I have a complaint. So as we remain positive and try to be optimistic with, with what the current landscape and climate is right now in Washington, uh, you know, we in no way are standing down. 
Our issues this year will be standing up and trying to fight for those appropriations. The day we are on the Hill, the President is expected to be at Congress introducing his budget. So you all are here, literally are here at a historic time in history for the United States government. So those who are sticking around on Tuesday, take advantage, feel that history that you're going to be a part of, and know that you are advocating and, and really, in a sense, exercising your First Amendment right to air your grievances and concerns against government. So thank you all for coming to Washington. All right, I recognize Mitch. I have a comment, Tony, something you may not be aware of in a couple of related questions. The comment is, I learned yesterday on Southwest Airlines that their newest uh, delivery of 737-800s are not coming with video screens. Um, the, the airline, at least that airline, and perhaps others, uh, have taken the pulse of their passengers and people want the ability to watch what they choose to watch on their smartphones. And so you may see a decrease Okay, I just heard American. So you, the issue, the issue of accessibility to those uh, to the in-flight entertainment systems may be moot in a short order because of, of uh, what I'm hearing. In terms of the transportation, we are actively engaged in harmonization around that ADA and DOJ has been our strong message. I think that's what the airlines want, um, and I think in a sense of in terms of the technology as well. Uh, you're right, American also announced they're no longer doing touchscreens. That's for uh, somewhat because of passenger needs, but also too for internal constraints they have and just running their airline industry more efficiently. Um, one of the successes we did have in the rulemaking negotiations was to make sure that all these Wi-Fi networks are accessible to Woodcock 2.0 standards. So that was a success we had that will be at, at, at almost immediate, within a year I think, of a final rule being passed. So we will find those hiccups that we have, like with Southwest. I never like flying Southwest because I can never get on the Wi-Fi. That issue will be fixed. So that's uh, hopefully these are some answers. Thanks, sir. Other questions? Um, Dan, I yeah. think was next. Yeah, I've got my hey Tony. Mm -hmm. um, question: We talked a little about this yesterday at the Holocaust Museum, but where are we with the rules and regs that passed right at the end of the administration? That there was an opportunity for the new administration to put on hold. With the 508 refresh, with the DOJ ruling on uh, audio. The, the only equipment. rule that I know that has been temporarily suspended because of the 60 day order that was requested for regulatory review of all regulations was the, the NHTSA quiet car, which will now go into effect March 21st, I believe, for the quiet car. Um, so that was a 60 day hold. I have not heard any other holds on any of the 508 regulations that's still slated for January. What's, what's, is the 508 delayed, Pat? Hold on for a mic. Well, we have it from someone in the know. I think everybody wants to hear. Excuse me. We have to hear. This is Pat. So, as far as 508 is concerned, it's alive and well. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, last week, GSA and the Access Board has put together a working group of about 12 agencies. Uh, VA is one of them. Uh, of agencies that have decent. Uh, viable five-way programs to put together a roadmap for the rest of the federal government on how to implement 508 within the within the federal government. Uh, it should take maybe, I think, about six months to develop that plan. 
and implement the parts, but I think it's alive and well, and we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, and the same, I haven't heard anything around the DOJ theaters, the 501 regulation that came out as well at the end of the administration. Uh, actually, the Trump administration went on record during the campaign of supporting that regulatory change uh, and fix, and then, um, and that's Kai Bloom, that's the EEOC rule. Kai Bloom, who's the, the head of the EEOC, is around for another 18 months, I think. So that's that's going to be uh, not rolled back as well. So we we fared pretty well on the rollback. It was a lot of rhetoric and a lot of hype, I think, other than the quiet car, which was just a simple procedural, I think, for the folks at transportation to get their head around what exactly this was. Right. Wanted to get recognized. Tony, um, well, did there, is everybody aware that Cogswell Basie was reintroduced? It was reintroduced, and we will have a leave behind document that will be available on a table. Um, it, it, there, is, there is very unlikeliness that it will be passed. Um, but to that end, um, I, think, I think that it is something that we, we will show solidarity and support for. So we will be talking, Mark, will, Mark Riker will be here on Monday and we will be having documents available when you meet with your member of Congress uh, to leave as, as, you know, as, as, a, as a cordiality, but also to, to show our solidarity so that they can get saturation of leave behinds. They'll be here on Wednesday and several members of the deaf and deafblind community and AFB uh, from the AFB Leadership Institute will be up on the Hill at the day after ours focused just on this issue. Another issue too that we've had just real quick success was um, our resolution 2016-10 on the CMS uh, inaccessibility, uh, lack of accessibility accommodations. Uh, Congressman Billerakis's office, their legislative director is working with us for a bill that will set up a GAO that we think can move forward pretty quickly through Congress to do a GAO investigation of CMS. Um, that data that hopefully we can, we can ascertain will not only show us the problem and find ways to get the solution, toward these areas of inaccessibility, but it will be the first time we've had such comprehensive data on blindness through Medicare and Medicaid, which is a, a strong indicator of our population um, and since 1992, I think. So that's an area that we're, we, we're working with the congressman's office. So Paul or Dan, whoever's meeting with them, uh, mega thanks to the Congressman Bill Arrakis. Yes. Yes. Senator, I have uh, Carla. Yes, um, Tony, yesterday, I think it was, or maybe it was the day before, Mark posted a message that included some um, ideas on uh, discussing some of the issues in the WIOA legislation that are pain. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those things are absolutely devastating as far as agencies. In, in some of our states, I know in Kentucky, we're having a horrible time with some of those requirements. Mm -hmm. um, what will, where will ACB? On those, on those issues. We're part of that coalition. In fact, Good. a lot of the stuff Mark circulated and I wrote will be much more active, but we're in a definite coalition mode. We, we've come together strong as a blindness group, uh, but clearly AACB, uh, we, are, we are in a much more visible lead. Their, leader, their, their position of leadership, as many know, uh, is often, you know, uh, they, will not, they will not fight something which says that they support something. Uh, does that include the uh, ability one aspect of that as well? It does include the ability one aspect. It's a, it's a both homemaker and ability one. So NIB, number of their agencies, National Association for Employment of People Who Are Blind, uh, AFB, ourselves, are all working hard on those two issues. And, around and, redefining competitive integration. And, and will it include the pre-ETS money? Pre-ETS money is another issue, um, and, and it is an issue that we uh, are, are, are engaged with um, but that is not in regards to the particular conversation Mark has had. But we are working with Technology Task Force for CCD, as I mentioned, um, Kim as well, Perkins, 
um, as well on some of the issues with pre-eds, uh, particularly around funding assistive technology. Okay. I hope you get some word there because it is, it is mm -hmm. absolutely horrible yeah. as far as our funding, being able to make things happen and serving a, a very um, small percentage. Oh, if you're talking about the 15% rate cuts, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a whole other issue and that is something that we're actively lobbying. Okay. And, and okay. engage in our rhetoric and conversation. Right. That would be is, part of the overall parking agenda. In, 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 Mark's, um, in Mark's message, he it, part of it seemed to indicate that you know it was just being discussed and that this isn't really something that we go out and talk about at this point. And then uh, on that in the message, he says, share it, you know, spread it around, do whatever. So um, my question would be is where, where are we uh, as far as um, those of us out here that would love to, you know, to talk we about this. We are putting together a white paper and a, and a congressional, or just any any ask document, a two-page ask document, front back, as well as a white paper on the subject matters okay. that we're we're dealing with around WIOA. Um, that's where ACB we've been I've been actively working on helping write those, um, and those are not ready for prime time yet. But I think at some point they will probably be requesting sign-ons by state affiliates as well as service providing agencies around the country. And that's when we'll begin coalition building. I would expect that to happen once we get the new RSA head in. We'll probably hit the switch to the go switch on that. Okay. Which will probably be summer. Okay. Right, thank you, Walter. Tony. Thank you very much. Page three. Thank you to. Um, Ken, who is the new chair of the DKM First Timers Program Leadership Fellows Committee? It's we've uh, we've continued to give them more responsibility over the last few years, and uh, they have embraced it and done a phenomenal job. He'll tell you about his members and what uh, information he's going to share with you today. So thank you, Ken. I do want to. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. It's been a privilege serving on the committee for a while while Alan Casey was chair. And uh, now we're starting some new things and uh, we have a great committee working together. And uh, some of them are here tonight and we will have the privilege of getting together for dinner. And so I'd like to just say thanks to all of the DKM First Timers Committee today, okay? And uh, so what I'd like to start off with, we'll be talking about our, our First Timers Award. Uh, then we have a Leadership Fellows Award that is somewhat new uh, as of last year. And we've obtained funding this year through uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, again, and through Eric's efforts. So that's a great thing. We'll bring more people to the National Conference and Convention. So I'll begin by saying there, there are I, we need your help, uh, leaders, uh, to get the word out. Uh, and we have put announcements in the Braille Forum from January and this the, the E-Forum in February. And then we have an article coming out in March in the Braille Forum that we hope that you will continue to spread uh, throughout your membership so that we can get some applications in. And so we'll begin with the First Timers Award. There are things to... Uh, that they, the criteria that they have to meet in order to be considered uh, and selected. So those four things be, that we begin with is they must be, uh, the member, the applicant must be 18 years or older. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
had a few of us uh, meet that, meet that in front of They must be blind or visually impaired, an AC member in good standing. And the other thing, does anybody know? Never have been. Never have been to an ACB national conference and convention. Now, once they meet those, those four uh, criteria, then they can move on to the next step, and we need them to submit a, a letter of application, and it will be a narrative of their service in the local community, local chapter, or even their state or special interest affiliate. So that narrative could also include their back education background, um, and, and any things that they have initiated, and then, you know, just tell us about yourself. Introduce yourself to the committee, and uh, we will uh, review those applications that they come in. And they, uh, once they complete that application, they should submit it to uh, the national ACB office. Uh, Kelly Gask is uh, uh, receiving those for us, and I will give her email address. But I encourage everybody to. Uh, go back to your Braille form from January. Yeah, look at the e-form uh, in February, and every all these details are there. But Kelly Gass, her email address is k g a s q u e <coughs> at acb.org, and those applications can come in uh, now. We've been accepting those for a little while now, and the deadline is April the third. So we need to get to work. We, uh, March will be here very soon. So the next thing that we want to ask is that the state or special interest affiliate president would write a letter of recommendation. And that letter of recommendation uh, should entail uh, the work that you have witnessed that this person has done uh, and you may have been impressed with. And then also mention something about their leadership potential that you have come to know. So uh, once that is sent in to the same uh, email address, kgasque at acb.org, uh, please put in your subject line what it is for, uh, a letter of recommendation for so-and-so. We'd appreciate that. And uh, so, and then Kelly uh, forwards those things to the uh, to our committees for review. And uh, now, after that, after the applications have come in, we do have to ask them for one more thing. We want them to agree to uh, have an interview with the committee. And those interviews will take place in mid-April, uh, following the deadline of April thirty third. Third, I'm sorry. And. Uh, so then we will be able to uh, talk to them, ask them a few questions, and we get to know them personally, personally uh, in addition to what we read about them. So and it's been a great process that we, start, process that we started last year. So um, does anybody have any questions so far about that? Okay, so do we have some leaders that's ready to uh, encourage somebody to apply? Yes. Great, great. Now, once they are, they begin to communicate with us and, and we communicate with them, and following that, we will tell them more details about uh, what, what's covered uh, for their travel, and we focus on airfare, uh, travel, and supporting transportation, uh, hotel accommodations, which we focus on double occupancy uh, for the hotel rooms. That means they will have to share 
most of it likely will have to share a room with someone else, which normally has been a scholarship recipient or another award applicant. So, uh, and after that, uh, other things, they will receive a per diem for uh, meals and incidentals, those who are selected, that is. And then, I'm hearing some beautiful music. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then, then we will uh, have further communication with them by uh, giving them a copy, those who are selected, some, a copy of our guidelines and ex expectations that was actually approved uh, this past Saturday by our ACB, ACB board. And that, that document has been updated uh, recently as the committee worked together. So now that's those. Those are the first timers. Does it, anybody have anything that uh, you feel like I may have missed on introducing the first timers program? Okay, we have the leadership fellows program now, and we will also include that as work for the committee. And the criteria will be very much the same, except one thing, and they won't have to. They don't. You don't have to. Uh, have meet this one criteria like you uh, you could have come to a past conference and convention if for the leadership fellows and uh, but the application letter of application should be submitted in the same format and uh, everything else will follow except that we have a DKM first timers reception of which the leaders uh, fellow leadership fellows I heard from uh, Eric that he's considering a different type of uh, gathering for them and uh, they will be notified. Uh, but we are uh, happy to receive, begin receiving those applications. And you can always ask questions by sending email. I have put my email address out there, but after I heard the ACB students speak today, instead of using my, my personal email address right now, I'll, in my next writing or that I will send out to the leadership list and beyond, uh, I will use my easy uh, email address which is president at acbtexas.org and that's kind of easy to remember so uh, my other email address is pretty long so uh, but we need applicants as soon as possible and uh, so if you have any uh, questions about this any right now you have you can ask a question and then I have one more thing to bring up to you Wow everybody's very familiar with the program Okay. They've all eaten their chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. Uh, every year we have a DKM fundraiser. And this year we're doing something, something again that we've done in the past. And it is called, we agreed to have our uh, gift card fundraiser. Uh, we uh, would love your participation in helping us to raise funds to underwrite the First Timers program. And you can participate by purchasing tickets, which they are, we have a ticket list drawing, uh, your name and your contact information being provided to a committee member is your ticket. And so we enter those uh, names and uh, co the contact information on a index card and place it in a drawing. And uh, the drawing is held uh, during our, this, this year will be held during our Wednesday evening DKM First Timers reception. During that evening, also, uh, I do want to mention to you that we those gift cards that we're giving are all able to be used nationwide. So far, we have Amazon gift cards, uh, Mastercard and Visa gift cards. We have 
a Duncan gift card. We have some Target store gift cards that have been committed. Um, and I think there's one more, but we are going to have so many more that's coming in. We're just getting started right now. So we will continue to announce that in these upcoming months because we still have time. So uh, be prepared to participate. Uh, you can purchase one ticket. And I look at it as when you're making a donation to support the program. Uh, if, you give, if you donate $5, your name goes into a drawing one time. If you donate $10, your, your name goes into the drawing three times. So and for every 10, you, your name goes in three more times. So we ask you to consider participating. You can let us know even while we're here. Uh, if you want to give your money now or uh, commit, uh, we'll be glad to take your con contact information. Does anybody have any questions? Question right. back here. Did you say that? Right. Right. Okay, good. Right. Thank you. And uh, we've had some great, um, great participation in the past, and, and we look forward to our reception. We will have a 50s theme, and we hope that some people would come uh, dressed uh, it, like they would have d done in the 50s, and we will have a little contest for the best dressed uh, 50 year. I don't know how to put you call it, okay? <laughs> but uh, also, we are going to recognize, we want you, to, we will call you, you will become a DKM partner if you contribute in any way. And if, for those who com, uh, donate uh, by purchasing tickets or, or even just making a donation in the amount of $100 or above, we will recognize you during the event and you will become one of our DKM elite partners. So, so give us $500 today and we can <laughs> <laughs> we'll recognize you right away. <laughs> can I have the floor for five minutes or three? This is Penny. I'm the president of Guide Dog Users Incorporated, and I just want to let people know that GDY held a fundraiser last summer. We called it our summer drawing, and the purpose of the fundraiser was to raise funds for a first-timer to come to this summer's convention, a first-time GDY member, and we um, have enough money to give two people a stipend, and details are going to come out about the uh, competition uh, on March 1st. Our board has to meet on Tuesday night to hammer out the final details, so I can't tell you the total amount, but it will be a stipend of at least $800. And um, if you're a member of GDY, you're eligible, and um, we are excited about bringing two new guide dog users to convention. So thank you so much. If you look at our website, www.guidedogusersinc.org. And if you're on our announce list, you'll get that announcement in your announcement email, too. So thanks so much. And thank you, Ken, for giving me the floor for three minutes. Thank you. Okay, one more thing. I, I want to acknowledge uh, uh, the fact that we really do need leaders for the future, and that's what this program is really about. So we all can play a part in assisting ACB in having a great future. I have uh, said that all that I, I really need to say unless you have any other questions. Thank you, Kenneth, and uh, so in, in, um, in support of uh, the DKM program and Kenneth as chair, um, I am handing him a $25 Dunkin' Donut gift card as a contribution from me to the, the fundraiser for DKM. So thank you.
All right, and um, Debbie Dethridge, are you in the room? I am. Okay. I just I just want to spotlight Debbie for a second so she can get all red and embarrassed. <laughs> but she's a leadership fellow from last year. She said this morning she's president of the Greater Louisville chapter and now she's president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and she said that a year or two ago she would never have had the confidence to do it but today I don't think anything can stop her she's on the road so congratulations Debbie page four the sound prints calendar on March 14 the support alliance of the visually impaired savvy will hold its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. There will be a presentation by meteorologist Wayne Hart about severe weather preparedness as well as other information. Contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170 for more information about SAVVY. On March 17, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its roundabout for the week. There will be education and technology beginning at 3.30. Dinner will be at 5.30, $5 per person, and then those who wish may attend the Braille Readers Theater at the American Printing House for the Blind at 6.30. There will also be cards available at roundabout until 10 p.m. For more information and to make sure that you're included in the schedule, Call us at 502-895-4598. March 17 and 18 is the Braille Readers Theater at the American Printing House for the Blind, 7 to 9 p.m. on Friday and 1 to 3 p.m. on Saturday at the Printing House, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue. The APH Museum Readers Theater Troupe presents one-act plays by contemporary playwright David Ives. No props, no lights, no costumes, just all fun. For more information, call 502-899-2213. March 19 is the next KSB Alumni Board Meeting, 8 p.m. by conference call at 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. The Kentucky Council of the Blind meets at 7.30 the next day, Monday, March 20, on the same conference line. On March 22, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind has their peer support group meeting at their office in Lexington, 1093 South Broadway. It's from noon to 2 p.m. and lunch is included. Call 859-259-1834. March 24 is another Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout with Tech Tips, Genealogy, and Braille beginning at 3.30. The 5 o'clock discussion time will include a meeting of our new book club and book sources and tips. This is at 5 to 6 p.m. and is sponsored by the Tri-State Library users. There will also be another activity in the discussion time as well. Dinner is at 6, $5 per person, and games and crafts from 7 to 10. Call 895-4598 to sign up. On March 27, 
The guide dog users of Kentuckyana will hold their monthly meeting by conference call at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On March 31 will be the final roundabout of the month, 3.30 to 5, Education and Technology, 5 o'clock discussion, 6 o'clock dinner, and 7 to 10 games and crafts at United Crescent Hill Ministries. On April 2, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Committees will meet by conference call with advocacy at 7, education and technology at 8, and activities at 9. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On April 4, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have their monthly conference call meeting and program. It's at 8 p.m. on the 605-475-6006 conference line. You'll have a chance to learn more about CCLVI with a guest speaker from the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International Board. On April 5, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and on April 6, the American Council of the Blind Lions will hold their conference call meeting for the month. Blind Lions from around the country are invited to attend this call. It's a chance to share ideas and ways to be involved in local clubs. We'll also be doing some other planning and discussing some changes in our Constitution and bylaws. The call is at 9 p.m. and the phone number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. On April 7, GLCB will have a roundabout which follows the usual schedule and on April 8, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its board meeting at 11 a.m. by conference call on the 605-475-6006 conference line. The code is 294444. April 9, KCB Next Generation will also meet on the same conference line. Their meeting will be at 8 p.m. and all individuals 40 and under are welcome to attend this meeting. On April 9, ACB Families will have its telephone workshop at 9 p.m. The call-in number is 712-432-3900, and the code is 796096. April 11, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have their April meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. The program will be announced. On April 13, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold their next support group meeting, from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Get low vision tips and tricks from Jennifer Gendeman from the Kentucky Lions Eye Foundation. For more information, call 502-895-4598. April 13, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have their monthly conference call at 7 p.m., The call-in number is 605-475-4700, and the code is 155619. For more information about NKCB, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. April 14 is another GLCB roundabout 
following the usual schedule. April 16, the KSB alumni will have their April board meeting at 8 p.m. April 17 is the KCB board meeting at 7.30 p.m., both on the conference line 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. On April 22, there will be a Clifton walking tour. From 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., join APH for a walking tour of the Clifton neighborhood, starting at the historic 1883 building on the grounds of the American Printing House for the Blind. We'll learn about the evolution of the area from a sparsely populated rural community in 1830 to a densely settled urban Louisville neighborhood. Free, but best for older children and adults. For more information, call APH Museum at 502-899-2213. Some future activities include May 6th, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its annual Derby Party on Derby Day, of course, 10.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. On May 27, there will be a bell cruise. Join the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation for a lunch cruise on the Bell of Louisville. Call Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774 for more information. On June 10, KCB Next Generation invites everyone to an all-council picnic at the Brown Park in Louisville, sponsored by Next Generation, and more details will be coming soon. June 30 to July 7 is the 56th ACB National Conference and Convention in Reno, Nevada. Call KCB at 502-895-4598 for more information or visit www.acb.org. August 4 and 5 is the 2017 Reunion of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association at the Ramada Inn North on Zorn Avenue in Louisville. For more information, call Adam or Carla Rushevel at 502-897-1472. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.